getting old. How uh, how many uh, breath cycles do you do when you do your Wim Hofs? Eh, it depends. Um, like when I'm feeling more inspired, I'll do like two to three, maybe four at the outside. Um, but I try and get like at least a single spin when I can. Now the real question, though, is: Do you do the cold showers? Um. Yes, but the thing is, it's you know where I am right now. It's too warm, so it's like cold showers. Like it's not even fucking cold. Like you got to do like the cold showers. You got to do that shit. Like I, I, when I was doing the cold showers in Germany over winter, like that was some fucked up shit, man. Like it was already cold. You, the last thing you wanted to do was do another cold shower, and I was like, I hated that. No, I will honestly be the pussy who admits that I do not do the cold showers in the winter and it just got hot in LA. So I just started doing the cold showers again. No shame. <laughs> That's who I am. You are a better man than I, Svetsky. What can I say? Yeah. Or, or more irrational. That's, uh, I think that's probably the better way to put it. I mean, irrational or not, I think uh, the words you wrote spoke and resonated with a ton of people. I don't know if you want to maybe set the stage for what you wrote or uh, how you'd like to kick it off. And I'll, I'll let you in your own words kind of describe what you've, the story you've told. Yeah. I think those, I mean, those two particular pieces, actually three now um, for this month uh, I wrote, I think it was Bitcoin shows you, it doesn't tell you. Then there was um, going down with a ship. And then uh, I think this morning or last night, the, um, the irrational optimism came out and, and they're all sort of uh, related in, in some sense. Um, the, the Bitcoin shows you, it doesn't tell you is probably the, the least related to these other two recent ones, but that one was more like, I, I, I wanted to make the point that, you know, we, we live in a world of, you know, decree, uh, you know, quote unquote, we live in a world of fiat. Right. And, and we all sort of know that, but what, what's interesting is that, Everywhere you look, all you see is talking heads fucking talking, right? Like I was at the gym the other day and I saw uh, Joe Biden, you know, he's ask, asking the states to lower the price of, uh, of gas. It's like, that's not how fucking markets work, dude. You don't just tell the price to go down and then all of a sudden it's going to go down. Like we, we, we live in this world where everything is like pretend, right? Um, and in that article, I kind of talked about how, you know, crypto is like this whole game of pretend as well. Like everyone is pretending that this is that and something else is that. And, you know, uh, when I blow up with Mashinsky and Celsius and all these other guys, like everyone's telling you stuff. And then Bitcoin comes along and really doesn't tell anyone anything. Um, it just shows you. you, you want to know how much Bitcoin there is, you know, you verified, it shows you, you, you want to know uh, how Bitcoin functions, go send a payment to an address like you see it. Um, you know, I don't have to tell you that Bitcoin is censorship resistant, you can do it. Um, if you want to kind of feel the pain of like, how Bitcoin's irreversible, go send money to the wrong Bitcoin address and go like I got a quote in that's like go call the Bitcoin support hotline and um and ask for your money back. It ain't gonna happen, right? So so Bitcoin kind of lives in that world. And then 
I sort of wrote that as the market started to shit itself, right? Because, and, and that was a good example of Bitcoin showing as well. It's like you've got all these people talking, 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 and then the market actually shows you what's real um, and what dies and what doesn't. And, you know, Terra was one of those great examples of like, will decree stability uh, into existence by saying, right? And clearly the, the market had something else to um to, to do with that so so anyway that's kind of where it all started and then where the other two pieces came out like you know the going down with the ship it it was inspired by an old tweet i did when i still had um the alex fetsky account and you know it, it was something along the lines i can't remember it exactly verbatim now i don't have it in front of me but it was you know more important than uh going up going to the moon i said is uh the Fucking hell, I wish I had it in front of me. Um, more important than going to the moon is the willingness to go down with the ship. Um, a world without Bitcoin uh, where you own nothing, have no privacy, and are doped up on antidepressants is, um, is not a world worth living in. So, so my, my point then, and I actually remember when I was writing that, I was walking up this hill in Costa Rica. Um, and I was just like kind of you know trudging up the hill and I was on this uh, Twitter rampage. I think I'd just come out of the gym or something, which is usually what happens to me. And I tweeted that. And anyway, um, someone took a screenshot of that shit. So all of a sudden, like a couple of weeks ago, it popped up on, um, on Twitter. Someone put a screenshot and the fucking thing went viral. And I was like, that's hilarious. So it was, you know, this old tweet. So I used that idea and that seemed to like resonate with people, particularly when the price was going down. It's like, you know, we're not, we're not in Bitcoin to sort of get rich and, you know, by Lambos, like we're here for, for a far more important reason. And then, um, and that's what the kind of inspired that initial piece is the, the, you know, the, let me, let me actually stop there for a moment and then I'll see if you want to ask some questions before I, before I fucking ramble on for the next six hours. <laughs> no, for sure. Uh, we've also invited John on the stage. I want to start first with just the first piece and the, the idea and concept of going down with the ship as you've touched on some of these ideas and excuse the sirens in the background. They come for you, bro. But this is a little bit about, you know, this is, this is where real conviction starts to show itself. Uh, and maybe, maybe share one or two of the ideas that you touch on of like the values that get you through this point because for a good majority of people they do get into bitcoin for the price but that's not why they stay yep yep well i think one of one of the important ones is a bunch of people and we saw this again like you see this every cycle people that are generally a little bit newer they they me- they measure their net worth they're like oh you know um lost 50 60 percent of my net worth and i'm still feeling you know i'm hold- holding on you know and you can kind of you know they're, they're trying to cope and, and you can you can taste and smell and sense the cope. And I mean, look, we all cope in our own ways. Like when Bitcoin's fucking flying high and it's, you know, 50, 60 grand, you unconsciously feel a little bit better, right? You have that sort of unconscious wealth effect. So, you know, I don't care what anyone says, like the price goes up, down, around in circles. You know, the, the lower it is, you know, the, the less kind of wealthy you feel, um, the higher it is, the more, you know, unconsciously wealthy you feel. But I think a big paradigm shift and you know people like Gigi and john and you know all sorts of you know i guess bitcoiners that have been through a couple cycles now know this is that 
you measure your net worth in the amount of Bitcoin you have. Like the end goal is, do I have more Bitcoin today than I did yesterday? Do I, you know, and the goal for tomorrow is to have more Bitcoin tomorrow than I did today. And when you can, you know, it's, it's hard to get to that point, but once you kind of get there, it's sort of like, you know, there's that meme of the, the dude where he kind of like brain starts and then it like expands and it's like, becomes like the cosmic galaxy brain. It's like when you reach that point, then no amount of price movement fucking matters. Uh, the, the, you know, you, you have a set amount of Bitcoin. That, that's, that's like, you know, there's a meme in the article which says, you know, you buy uh, Bitcoin to have more dollars. Um, I sell dollars and, you know, to, to have more Bitcoin. Like the, 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 the position is very different. And when you come from that posture, I think that changes something psychologically inside people's heads. Um, and I think that is extraordinarily healthy. Now, mind you, uh, it always feels better buying Bitcoin on a dip. But the thing is, you're never going to time those dips. Um, you know, it's that, uh, you know, classic. Again, I think we all start to think in memes now. The, the meme that I'm thinking of is the one in the church, right? You've got the dip and then the dip behind it, the dip behind it, and then the sniper up in the top, uh, which is the other dip. So, so you never you never catch that shit. And, um, and I mean, I know, like, I was catching every fucking dip uh, from from 69 <laughs> all the fucking way down and I dried up all my powder this time I was like willing to sell my kidneys, my sperm, my blood and fucking anything else I could get my hands on um, to, to buy some more but you know that's um, that's sort of what happened so anyway that's um, I think that's one mental model and then the other one is um, I think what I want to probably point out is like this this earning it idea of bitcoin is that a lot of people come in and their whole like and we're all guilty of this we we think that you know bitcoin pumps from 20 to 60k we think we fucking solved it um it crashes and you know a little bit to 30 and you know we're kind of a little bit nervous but then you know we're back at 69 in a matter of months and we think we're invincible you know people come up with fucking rainbow charts and fucking all sorts of other, you know, nice drawings on a page. And we get caught up in that stuff. And, you know, we, we think we, we know it all. That, I guess, makes us a little bit uh, arrogant in some sense. And what it makes people do is, I guess, you know, the... maybe Maybe what I'm trying to say here is that the downtimes are actually, you know, when people laugh at you and tell you you're wrong and ha ha, told you Bitcoin was going to crash and go to zero and all that sort of shit. You don't hear a lot of that when Bitcoin's pumping, right? Um, you know, people basically are kowtowing. They're like, oh, fuck, this motherfucker was right. So they, they, they perceive you a little differently. Whereas when Bitcoin's dumping, what happens is everyone else is gloating and laughing at you. And that's actually your opportunity to build some thick skin. And that is the time when you actually earn your stripes. That's when you earn your Bitcoin. So it's in that period where you actually realize that this wasn't a vehicle to you know, get rich or do any of that sort of stuff. And over time, like when you've been through one, two, three cycles, it actually, that's the cost of earning your Bitcoin. Like, some of the people that got into Bitcoin really early, like the Roger Verz of the world and shit like that, 
I mean, you know, one could argue that they earned their Bitcoin in some sense because they got in early and they saw it and all that sort of shit. But that it seems to me that something about them didn't earn it because, you know, they went off the fucking rails. They got BDS and, you know, rolled their own shit coin because they wanted to change it. So, so they didn't really, they didn't really, really get humbled enough. Now, that, that might not be an accurate assumption. But I think there's something about having to weather a storm and being laughed at and all that sort of shit that you've got to endure to give your, whole, your stack a different meaning um, in the same way as like if you won the lottery, you don't respect the money. But if you had to work for it for, for a period of time, then you respect the money in a different way. So I think there's that, that thing. So anyway, they're, they're probably the two big ideas that I'd like to pull on from that article. Number one is like measuring your wealth in terms of Bitcoin. And then number two is um, using downtimes or, or cha- changing the wiring or changing the meaning that you associate with these periods of shit. I had to fucking earn this Bitcoin and I had to like stick through it. I feel that like I, I will admit my first Bitcoin buy was in 2019. So as far as I'm concerned, this is my first real down cycle. Um, we've also, ha- we also have John Vallis. John, I totally glossed over you last time and I apologize, man, as well as D plus plus joined us. Uh, John, I'll, I'll let you maybe uh, give some thoughts. A, how you doing in the bear market and B, what are you thinking of what Svetsky is saying here? Yo, brother. Good to be here. Um, my answer is kind of like, what bear market? You know, like, I just, I don't feel these things anymore. As Svetsky was just saying, well, you know, when you, and when you begin to understand what this represents in terms of the different things that it can, if not fully resolve, greatly ameliorate the world, and you come to the conclusion that nothing else has even, a, you know, close to the same chance of doing so and if you actually give a fuck about those things in the world you actually give a fuck about fairness and and peace and you know um being able to create a meritocracy all over the world and allow value to flow freely and not you know not have this institutionalized unfairness and all the different uh damage that causes in the world if this is really the thing that has the best chance of resolving that, why the fuck would you get, why would you care at all about these interim price movements that it makes because the world is still grappling with figuring out what this is and trying to put a price on it, you know, and people that don't fully appreciate it the way you do are willing to buy and sell it and trade it and hold it and not hold it and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, um, it, and I think speaking to the, the title of this space, I think, once you come to that conclusion, once you've done sufficient amount of work to conclude for yourself that this is, you know, the best hope for humanity as it were, then you, you, you confront that decision. Am I going down with the ship or not? Do I have, you know, complete and total conviction or not? And if you do, like, it's almost hard to care about all these different gyrations that are happening as Bitcoin is emerging as a tiny little sapling in a, you know, a a huge forest canopy and making its way to becoming, you know, the, the dominant tallest tree in the canopy. Of course, like, you know, all the wind and all the happening there is going to affect, you know, that budding sapling more so than some of the currently big trees. But 
And, you know, that's the volatility and that's the macro landscape impacting Bitcoin and that kind of stuff. But again, if I mean, if you're seeing this clearly and and you agree with what it represents and what it can resolve, then, you know, it, it, it's irrelevant. There is no bear market. So for me, it's, you know, I guess it, you could just easily say one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. But you know, I recognize that, you know, new, new noobs may not appreciate that perspective. But what I have thought was cool, you know, because sometimes we say if this is your first quote unquote bear market, then maybe it's a bit tough. But I've been super impressed by the people like UQ that you just mentioned that have come in in 19, 20, 2021, even 22, who, you know, by virtue of the fact that there's a lot more content out there these days, podcasts, articles, all that kind of stuff to bring people up to speed really quickly. They've actually developed that conviction really fast and they get it. And it's so cool to see happen so quickly. And for those, those, you know, extremely convicted people to be coming on and like more rapidly and more rapidly all the time. And that's how this thing wins, right? To, to the point of Svetsky's article, like more and more people are developing that attitude more and more rapidly. And, you know, that's how we just keep trucking along until this thing either does what we think it's going to do or it fails miserably or, fa or you know, fails. We want to be part of uh, trying to make it that it's the former and not the latter. And so those are my thoughts. So well said. I, uh, I appreciate the fact that uh, I can learn from so many great minds. And D++, thank you so much for uh, coming up and joining us. Would love to hear your thoughts. I'm going to ask the question, knowing how foolish I sound, but how is the bear market treating you? <laughs> We're in a bear market. Um, I love what John just said, what, what bear market. So I just posted something up in the nest because it's one of my favorite quotes and it's one of my favorite concepts with regard to the bull bear cycle of Bitcoin. I like to think of Bitcoin as being a cycle, not of an exchange rate metric that we are tracking, but rather adoption. So um, what the co-founder of Swan Bitcoin said is that Bitcoin doesn't have bear markets, much like the Internet doesn't have dips in adoption. Adoption is one way only. This concept is misapplied to Bitcoin by traders because it appears to have a price. Adoption is only going in one direction. Fundamental value grows with adoption. And then I, I also liked what Svetsky tweeted, which is that we are just measuring Bitcoin against a government mandated shitcoin. So the exchange rate is illusory. I think the fact that we're onboarding more and more people every day, that's the one way adoption curve that I'm interested in. And, and sure, there's a lot of volatility because Bitcoin is undergoing its one and only price discovery, which, by the way, doesn't happen just once in a lifetime. It happens once, period. There's only ever going to be one price discovery by which this brand new emerging monetary asset is being monetized for the only time. So I've been in Bitcoin since 2013, maybe not as long as some of you. But, you know, back then we didn't have these groups that we could talk to. We didn't understand the concept of hodling. At least, I don't know, I wasn't talking to folks who were talking about hodling back then. And now anyone that is new to Bitcoin, if it's their first time, if it's their first cycle, 
they understand this concept of, oh yeah, we've seen these downturns before. We have this rich history we can look back to. We've seen 85% corrections in the past. I don't think we're going to see an 85% correction this time. I'm you know, not a trader. It doesn't really matter because, again, adoption is happening one way. But um, part of why I don't think we're going to see 85% down is because we didn't go up as high. We did a 3.5x from peak to peak. And we generally, historically, haven't broken the previous all-time high from the previous cycle. I don't really give a shit about charts, but and I'm not interested in TA, but I am just saying that there are certain things Bitcoin has done historically. We may continue to follow those trends. We may break out of them. I don't fucking know. But regardless, we have some really cheap sats that you guys can get a hold of. And if it is your first cycle, like this is what you've been waiting for. These are the cheap sats you, you said you wanted, right? So you've been saying you wanted cheap sats. Are you actually going to buy cheap sats now that you have the opportunity? And, you know, if you are waxing and waning in your conviction, I would say just spend your time learning about Bitcoin, not obsessing over the exchange rate compared to a fiat shitcoin, but learning about the fundamentals of Bitcoin, learning about the technology. There's so many good resources out there. One of my favorites is this guy from Europe, Inertia. He has this website, learnmeabitcoin.com. And I think he's just like silently chugging away, spending probably countless hours creating really, really great content. I feel like it's super underrated, which is why I'm mentioning it. So again, if, you're, if your conviction is waning, just spend your time learning about Bitcoin. And the more you understand it, the more convicted you'll be. And you'll learn that the exchange rate is illusory. And all that matters is one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. I can vouch for Learn Me a Bitcoin as well. That was fucking awesome. I, um, I, I went through some of his resources uh, probably like two or three years ago. Funny enough, uh, during uh, early 2020, after the you know, Bitcoin shit itself at that time. And you know, what, what do you do? You build muscle. You you build thick skin, you learn, you dig deeper, you build conviction, you build character. Like that that's that's what this time is for. Like I mean, all times are for that, depending on, you know, what your own predisposition towards gloating is. Um and you know, it's uh there's always a there's always a wake up call for those who want to I'm guilty of that shit too. I fucking laugh at people. The the amount of shit I gave my brother um was hilarious. So you know, that came back and <laughs> when Bitcoin was dumping, he was like, see, dickhead, see, fucking told you, bro. Next stop is zero. I was like, yeah, all right, dickhead. So, anyway. We'll have the last laugh, no doubt. Uh, we, will. Plus, we will. D plus plus, that's so perfectly put, though. The adoption has not slowed down. If anything, it only continues to increase. Um. And the price truly is irrelevant once you finally can grasp that idea. John, thank you so much. Uh, John F., thank you so much for coming up. Fakuri, um, how you doing, man? I'm not going to ask the same question, but maybe how, how are you feeling about going down with the ship? Maybe some of the other thoughts that have been shared. I'm not, I'm not going down with the ship. The ship's not going anywhere. The ship is just fine. I am just collecting UTXOs. Um, so I appreciate everybody for selling me your Satoshis. Um, my family will will make do with them. Um, and I have no problem more of yours. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just being silly, of course. But yeah, dude, like, 
I don't want to do the hopium conversation. I do think I understand why people are shaken. But like fundamentally, I was going through this and I think buying Bitcoin right now on a risk adjusted basis is the best time ever. Forget the TA, the TA I'm just talking about. Like it's basically at the same price as it was um, four years ago. And yet the risks of it going to zero are astronomically smaller. And so you're able to Bitcoin relative to price and yet with a lot less risk. And so I envy people. I envy people right now, like that are getting in right now. Like if you're getting in in 20, like 2022 right now, and you got to buy Bitcoin at 20 grand for the first time in 2022, I, I mildly envy you. I would have loved to have skipped a bunch of uh, BS and, and been able to buy the prices with the risk of being like fundamentally the other bull markets, excuse me, the other bear markets, especially in 18 for me, was like really brutal because to, to, to Spetsky's point, like, you know, you're telling people Bitcoin's going to go to 50, it's going to go to 100. Um, I, you know, I probably fully didn't understand it, still probably don't. But um, the I told you souls weren't as, like, as amazing as the, the ones you got back. Like, like listening to people be like, man, I listened to you and you told me to buy Bitcoin and now it's at like four grand. And that's a difficult thing to like digest. And those, those were way more painful than the I told you souls. Look at it, it's 60 grand now. So I do think those prices matter. And if you don't believe me, look at all these people that overlevered themselves. They definitely think price matters. Um, but, you know, for those that are being less fragile and for those that are being, like, more prudent, you're collecting UTXOs at, like, historically risk-adjusted um, best prices, I think, in the history of Bitcoin. Um, so, you know, that's, I think, the silver lining. Um, the other piece that I think is, like, I think really, really, like, you know, less esoteric silver lining is simple. Like none of these other bear markets actually were being driven by macro markets. Like Bitcoin is experiencing its first bear market, if you want to call it that, um, during a macro bear market, right? Like the last 13 years have been a secular bull run. You can call it easing. You can call it like, you know, um, easy money policies or whatever. But the reality is like, you can argue that Bitcoin is doing just fine. And it's being really mostly impacted by things outside of Bitcoin, right? Like TikTok, Xblock. Um, the proliferation of like Bitcoin companies on Lightning, Bitcoin companies in general. Um, I've never seen so many pitch decks. You know, myself, Brad Mills, a bunch of other people are investing in these companies. Like, like to me, like, like there's so much that's incredibly bullish in terms of the adoption kind of thing that Jan was talking about in the tweet that D plus plus was measuring. And like to me, like you got the whole world just shaking out of its shoes, rushing the dollar because of macro purposes, and Bitcoin still seen as risk on asset by most of the world, even if it's not by us. And so like. Here you are in a place to be able to buy Bitcoin at the same price as four years ago with four years of de-risking and a whole other like qualitative factors that you could point to that show that this thing is just less risky than it was. And so there's your silver lining there. Like, I think that's a wonderful way to like, I don't know, put some perspective to it for those that are struggling. With it. Yeah. And one thing I will say is I, I do think the price is an important signal to the world. Like, I don't think the price is completely irrelevant. And by price, I mean exchange rate, but it's illusory because it's undergoing its discovery phase by which it's just very, very volatile. And so it's going to bounce up and down quite, quite quickly, quite dramatically in a way that it won't once it's reached that full price discovery. And once it's reached the full price discovery, the, the, the value will continue to go up because Bitcoin is disinflationary and it will go up proportionately to the value that humans create, the wealth that humans create. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to say um, was that, you know, the price, it, 
it does matter in that in that we can get cheap sats. But one thing, um, and you guys might disagree with me here, but I'm not going down with the ship. Like if there's a fundamental flaw in Bitcoin, I'm out. I'm I'm not going to be a martyr for Bitcoin. I would sell my stack. Um, I wouldn't want to, you know, lose my life savings. But um, the problem is that I don't I don't think that's I don't think I can find anything wrong with Bitcoin is what I'm trying to say. Like I spend hundreds and thousands of hours looking at fundamental flaw because Bitcoin is protecting my wealth. So if there's a problem, I want to be the first to know. And one of the things that I have realized is that Bitcoiners are really harder on Bitcoin than anyone else. They're harder on Bitcoin than, than shitcoiners. They're harder on Bitcoin than no coiners. They're harder on Bitcoin because they're battle testing it. They're looking for those fundamental flaws that could be a problem so that we can fix them. Um, and Bitcoiners are smart. We're problem solvers. But you know, if you talk to anyone who's studied Bitcoin for 100 hours or more, they can't find any flaws. And it's not because we're living in an echo chamber. It's not because we have our heads in the sand. It's not because we don't want to know the truth. It's because we just can't find anything wrong with it. Um, so again, if I find something wrong with it, I'm out. But I, 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 I can't find a problem. Yeah, just to chime in on that particular point, and I guess clarify uh, my perspective on what, what might just be semantics and dramatic language. I mean, I you related to these military strategy books, right? Where they so often, you know, the you burn the boats or you you burn the bridge over which you came to meet the enemy. And it's not that you do that because you're expecting or hoping to die. It's because you recognize that it might be the case that that mentality is required to win. And so, you know, if it's if it's obvious that Bitcoin has failed, I'm not going to be hanging around being the last bag holder either. Um, and I I obviously don't think that's going to happen. But the, the point is, is that acting as though you're fully committed in that way, it might be relevant in terms of what, you know, what, what happens with Bitcoin, how it turns out. And so, you know, I think that's what we all mean when we say we're going down with the ship, like that's the mentality that we're bringing to this. And um, yeah, and hopefully that contributes in some positive way to its success. Yeah, to, to, to that point, John, actually, you, you kind of said something similar to what I was going to say. It's like, we, I mean, one could argue there are, you know, quote unquote, things uh, wrong with Bitcoin, you know, like the, the, the core base is a little bit messy, this and that. But um, like the, I, I don't, it's not clear to me at what point, um, you know, we find a flaw. So, so I had a, I had an interesting uh, dinner with some Bitcoiners actually, and you know they were they were quite price focused, and um, I won't name any names, but you know what they sort of mentioned is like, oh well, fuck, if Bitcoin does crash between thirteen uh, below thirteen, then we've really got a problem. And you know my retort to that was, well, no, we don't. You know, it, like the thing, if the network's still functioning, I'm still sending payments. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, the, you know, the the price points are just kind of make up in our head and and their retort to me was well no if it does fall to that price then that can only mean something fundamentally went wrong and i don't know if i could reconcile that like to me you know if if you come in with that idea and the price is that which tells you that there's something wrong i i see the wisdom in that but i mean thirteen thousand or ten thousand or 
or six thousand is still a hell of a lot higher than you know five hundred bucks um you know where it was before now arguably yes we have more hash rate we have more you know companies and lots of shit happening that's being built on bitcoin so you know some part of our reptilian brain you know wants to make sense of the fact that hey this thing should be getting more valuable along the way but i mean money is just a function of like um you know how much wealth there is in society so you know if we move into a significant deflationary environment like you know maybe the top of bitcoin was going to be 69,000 69,000 is enough for power to buy a whole building you know what i mean so so kind of like we've got to i feel like we've got to challenge some of these precepts and that and that's where it's important to as john said it's like you want to take the island to burn the fucking boats that mentality is like if the bitcoin is fucking locked up in you know complex multi-signatures like you know or, or whatever whatever schema you're going to use to kind of like lock it away for me i don't count the majority of bitcoin that i have like that shit's locked up i'm not going to touch that for 20 30 40 50 years i give two flying fucks uh what happens along the way um and when you have a whole army of people with that same sort of mentality where it's kind of locked up there's no way this thing's um, disappearing. There's, there's economic mass uh, embedded within it. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's not clear to me where that line is, um, where you know that uh, something's failed, uh, quote-unquote failed, particularly with a complex system or a complex organism you know, like Bitcoin. So, you know, I think at this point, this is our best shot. Um, we lose this one. Um, I, I don't like our chances. Like, you, you don't... You know, you don't have another um, genesis like Bitcoin again. Um, you know, we we move into a very different world if um, if something falls here. And I think its failure may may be more likely a social one than a than a technical one. Um, so, so maybe that's where I would kind of wrap up that point: is that um, socially we need to be we need to burn the boats. Um, Technically, I think we can handle it, um, and and I don't see anything. Well, at least you know I'm I'm obviously not a fucking core dev, but as far as I understand, technically, Bitcoin seems pretty sound. If something was going to technically fuck up, it would have blown up already. Yeah, that's a really great point. Uh, Bitcoin is rock solid, and um, you know, if you look back to the crash of June 2011, when Mount Gox blew up. We saw Bitcoin go from $32 down to one cent in a flash crash. Um, but there was nothing wrong with the fundamentals of Bitcoin. The protocol was still rock solid. There was just a fluctuation in price that was temporary. So, you know, we talk about Bitcoin going down. Um, you know, am I going to go down with a ship? Well, yeah, if the price goes down, I haven't lost my conviction. We've seen the price go down before. We've seen the price go down to one cent and the fundamentals were still solid. Um, you know, and that said, I like what you said, Svetsky, because if, if we, if Bitcoin doesn't make it, if there's some reason why Bitcoin doesn't make it, which to be clear, I, I don't think that that's really a possibility at this time because Bitcoin has been de-risked, but just in the hypothetical, I don't think that there's some shitcoin that's waiting in the wings that replaces Bitcoin. I mean, the, the, the shitcoins need Bitcoin. It's like a rising tide raises all ships, like without Bitcoin, they are worthless with Bitcoin. They're worthless, but it's illusory because they're able to ride on the coattails of the existence of Bitcoin. So yeah, this is our shot. Like we need to make sure that we that we get this right. And um, I think Bitcoin wins. It's just a matter of 
Like, are people going to have the luxury of having got in early at 20K? Um, or are they going to have the luxury of getting in late? Because if they get in later, they still benefit from Bitcoin. And people who don't even have Bitcoin today are still going to benefit from Bitcoin, I think, in an enormous way. Yeah, totally. I, th- I think the, the other, probably the other angle of attack is kind of like a, maybe a critical mass piece is that obviously uh, what's that um, Jabba the Hutt looking guy's name from uh, Bank of International Settlements. But, you know, that guy wants to um, eat all your food and take all your money. And, you know, they're putting together a CBDC at the moment to do that. And there seems to me like there's going to be a race. um, There there seems to me like there's going to be a simultaneous attempt to shake people out of Bitcoin, um, number one, and then give them some free shit for a CBDC of whatever sort is going to, you know, it's going to end up being, I don't know if it's going to be central bank issue, but like Sailor and I had a chat and he doesn't think it's going to be, um, issued by the central banks because he thinks, you know, Congress, et cetera, is going to kind of get in the way or whatever, but you know, whatever happens there, that's all kind of semantics at the end of the day, a, um, you know, whether it's issued by private banks or the central bank, um, it'll be the same regulator and the same kind of censorship and the same kind of control, uh, as normal fiat banking has, right? Like, so, um, just, just more enhanced, um, and a little bit more power, et cetera. So the, that's a, that's an interesting, um, like that's a delay factor, I think, uh, more than anything else. And, um, yeah, I, I guess the way that ties back into the going down with the ship piece is that, you know, don't get shook out and wind up holding, um, you know, more advanced digital shit coins decreed by your state um, and give up basically the only freedom money that you're going to have probably for the next, I don't know, for the foreseeable future in general. So, yeah, Q. I mean, I'm just here to learn, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm appreciating all of these different perspectives and just this idea that there can at its core still be fundamentally wrong. I do appreciate, you know, hearing people actually admit and not skirt around that idea. Um, I don't want to necessarily like harp on or focus on that, but maybe, maybe let's reflect and I'm going to ask for out of ignorance, some perspective from the past, you know, in this recent, price downturn we've seen a lot of people turning to explanations or trying to understand like why or what's caused this i know that with the mount gox downturn you have that to point to but historically speaking in those previous again price downturns was there this look for an explanation as to why this is happening or was there just a general consensus that we are still growing we're still adapting Mm, it's always the same man this this is the thing so like a a market is merely a representation of people's aggregate um basically uh people's aggregate value judgment on something right and we this is why we're so early you walk down the street you ask the average person 
what is money? They'll look at you like you're a fucking idiot. Um, and then if you ask them, you know, why is money important? And you say something crazy like, you know, money is the ledger in the sky that measures all, you know, reasons. Some fucking whacked shit that Bitcoiners only talk about. Um, they'll really think you're on crack. And then if you say that Bitcoin is that thing, um, then, you know, they'll probably run. So most of the world has absolutely fucking no idea. Um, so when you when you see when you see the the price in the market that is the aggregate perception of what bitcoin is uh, in the marketplace generally now the reason the price went up down and around in circles like everybody looks for reasons and you will have for the for, for eternity people arguing uh, for technical reasons why for fundamental reasons why for uh, sentimental reasons why, for news reasons why. And the thing is, we'll actually never know. Um, more often than not, the price went down because there was too much uh, ignorance in relation to what the market was um, was acquiring. And it will do the other thing if there was too much um I guess ignorance on the other side as well, right? So, so it's always, you know, the, the markets are kind of like this error correcting system that is, you know, looking for truth and truth takes a long time to discover. So I, I think, you know, maybe in the past people called it, you know, Mt. Gox or this or that, but I don't know. At the end of the day, like, you know, Mt. Gox did the price go down. It was people's misunderstanding of what Bitcoin is and their interpretation of Mt. Gox being a problem that then caused them to sell. So, so it wasn't really Mt. Gox. It was, it was people again, and it's always people and it's always going to be people. So I don't think that's going to change. We all just kind of retroactively look for ways to make that, which can't be explained. We, we look for ways to make that make sense that that's all we do. And, and I think that's just the human condition and it's going to be no different this time. It will be no different when Bitcoin dumps from a million to um, at that point, someone will probably probably say, well, it was because the Chinese government or the U.S. government or some fucking bureaucrat did something. And then the next time it dumps from 10 million to 3 million, then it'll be something else. You know, like, I don't know, a large scale Bitcoin holder fucking disappeared with everyone's money. Whatever the fuck weird shit's going to happen in the future, right? It's always going to be, you know, something to point to, something to rationalize uh, what happened. Um, but at the end of the day, it was just people's you know, misunderstanding. That's, that's, I think, all it is. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because what we're seeing is an asymmetry of understanding and asymmetry of information and asymmetry of education. We're seeing people who are confused because if people understood what Bitcoin is, it would be 10 million USD per Bitcoin today. So the thing that we're seeing with these dips is like we're looking at the tea leaves, you know, and part of it's kind of superstitious whenever we see like smaller corrections too. It's like, well, you know, this happened, that happened, this is happening in the news. Uh, that said, Bitcoin is pretty strongly correlated with the traditional markets today. It comes in and out of correlation. So with the Fed raising rates, that had a big impact on, on the, the price of Bitcoin. But to Svetsky's point, if people understood the value proposition of Bitcoin, if they understood that it was their lifeboat to rescue them from inflation and to rescue them from a recession or even a depression, then Bitcoin would be 10 million USD. It's just that we haven't caught up yet 
to our understanding. And I think that just takes time. And it's very, very confusing because this is so new. The technology of Bitcoin, I mean, the technology it's built on predates Bitcoin, but Bitcoin itself has only been around for about a decade and people are confused. And then we have this kind of like once in a species opportunity for the return of the snake oil salesman. So the snake oil salesman kind of had their day. And unfortunately, because Bitcoin is confusing, then they have this heyday of being able to reemerge with like all new kinds of snake oil that, you know, we've never ever had the opportunity to have because they have this ability to again ride on the coattails of Bitcoin. So that's why I've kind of devoted my life to helping people understand Bitcoin from first principles and helping them understand the difference between Bitcoin and crypto, which is a scam. And thank you very much for for doing just that. Um, you know, one of my favorite adages, if you will, that's been said to me over and over again during this time seems to have been is uh, the idea that during these again price downturns, if you will, a lot more thought and energy is put towards helping to develop products on Bitcoin. And I'd love to just go around and have each of you maybe touch on or talk about something you're excited to see develop or further enhanced and focused on during this time. John, we'll start with you. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, um, oh, sorry. Which go? I look, look sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I got kids yelling in the background. It sounds like yours is quieter. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, well, the first thing about the former topic is, you know, I was trying to think about it, like, what were the previous downturns like and how was I feeling about them and stuff and, and what kind of causes or reasons, you know, were apparent at the time or was I searching for them and stuff. And the truth is I've always only ever been super stoked about Bitcoin price declines because, you know, I'm eternally short Bitcoin and whenever it crashes, like I just get so beside myself excited that, you know, opportunity knocks you know and i maybe it's the case like i don't want to look at gift for, gift horse in the mouth you know i don't really care why it's down i just want to try to uh take advantage of the opportunity as much as possible and so you know and i think we're all we're all here and one of the phenomena around bitcoin is that because it relates to so many things like by trying to understand bitcoin you end up coming to a better understanding of the world you know so many different components of it and I think a part of that is obviously coming to appreciate, you know, macroeconomics and finance more than probably we all did prior to getting involved in Bitcoin. More, more salient to us, it becomes more interesting. And that's fine. And like, a, you know, I, I'm interested in that kind of stuff also. But I'm all, I also consider it pretty irrelevant to me these days, because if you're all in Bitcoin, if you know why you're all in Bitcoin and you know what your strategy is going forward, which is stack as many sats as possible, it's kind of irrelevant. Again, it's good to know there's a there's an intellectual curiosity there. It's fun to be a part of the conversations at dinner tables to help educate others, all that kind of stuff. But I, I find myself less and less intrigued by it all, I guess is what I'm saying, because it's it's irrelevant to to the strategy. And then to the second point, you know, what that what that allows for is just focusing on things that are of greater value, that are of higher impact, you know, and it's going to be different for everybody because everyone's interested in different things and contributing in different ways. For me, it's, it's having conversations with normal Bitcoiners out there and, and trying to understand what it is about this thing that's fostered these transformations. I find that 
the most interesting thing because what is the relevance of any new innovation or technology if not for the behaviors that it either permits or prohibits? How does it expand the landscape novelty that we're able to you know, walk upon for new experience and new relationships with one another? And so, you know, those are, that's what I like to focus on. And to, and I guess in a bear market, like as Fetsky was saying earlier, when things are shooting up, like you can't help but, you know, get a tingling of euphoria because you kind of, you know what it's doing to your wealth. And maybe that has some kind of distractive effect, but I'm, I'm not really sure about that either. Cause maybe you're just, you know, you're more jazzed up to just lean even further into what you're doing and connections and do more of it. So I know it's often said that more gets done in bear markets and, and, you know, maybe in some cases and, and for types, certain types of work, that's true. And for others, it's less true, but, um, I'm just I'm just very excited to c continue pursuing, you know, what I consider to be the rub here, which is, you know, why is it that we're all on this call right now? Why is it we're all inspired to learn more about this? Why is it we're all being transformed by the values that seem to be inherent in Bitcoin and its promise for improving so many of the problems of the world? And um, I think why is because the, the the more clarity we can have around that, like the the greater we can conceptualize what's going on there, I think the more we're going to be able to leverage it, like to really, to use it, to orient our perspective. And it's all kind of abstract right now, which is why, you know, we participate in these conversations because we want to gain clarity there. And with all the content and all the time in the space and all that kind of stuff, it gets clearer and clearer and clearer and the pieces of the puzzle come together. But it's such a big puzzle that like, you know, maybe we'll forever be piecing them together. But the fact that over time we're able to put another one in place and another one in place, and another one in place, and then we can use that greater clarity to orient ourselves, you know, more properly or toward the greatest value in the world as far as we conceive it, let's say. That's, you know, what gets me excited every single day to wake up and learn more about this and engage with people and all that kind of stuff. So that's what gets me jazzed up. And on that note, I actually got a bail. So it's been awesome to hang out with you guys. Love you all and um, talk again soon. See you, bro. Yo, I wanted to I wanted to ask actually a couple things. Um bummer that John has to leave, but um I was just gonna say to to D plus plus's point earlier, you know, how this is a this is I guess value discovery, you know, represented in price is what's happening with Bitcoin. It's there's seven or eight billion people on the planet today and there's five hundred people on this call. So so that should tell you a little bit about um you know, the, the ratio between how many actually understand Bitcoin versus don't. So, so, so that's kind of one thing that I mentioned, kind of kept that idea off. The, the other one, I actually want to play devil's advocate with my own idea. Um, and, you know, this notion of, you know, Bitcoin coming down, you, you stack cheap sats. Now, let's say, let's just use some simple numbers. You've got a stack of 10 Bitcoin and Bitcoin is um, worth a million bucks. Um, and you know, you're earning 50 grand a year at that point, I wonder if your calculus actually changes and, you know, you, you don't want Bitcoin to go down because, you know, you're at the point where, where the Bitcoin's a million or 500 grand, um, the, the amount that you're able to continue stacking is, um, is minuscule in like your own individual stock to flow ratio is, um, is kind of pointless. Um, you know, you can work your ass off and, and fucking nothing in comparison to how much you've actually saved up. So I wonder if 
there's a point at which um, you know you you've been in Bitcoin long enough that the price actually uh, does start to piss you off again, um, or the purchasing power does start to piss you off again. Because um, anyway, th- this is just me playing devil's advocate. I'd be curious to hear John or D plus plus's thoughts on that. Like, do we hang up the boots at some point and just become well, parables? I talked about this in a different term. It's like reverse unit bias. So if you've been doing, if you've been around Bitcoin for even probably five or six years and you went to go see what dollars would convert to Bitcoin before and, you know, a smash my, might have been a couple of Bitcoin or maybe a half a Bitcoin or something like that. And that same amount now you look and it's like, oh shit, that's 0.05 Bitcoin five months ago or whatever, right? Or, and so I think there is that like kind of reverse unit bias of, wow, man, like, you know, uh, I might be able to like put a lot of effort in, but as a percentage of my Bitcoin holdings, it's not really going to change much. Um, right. So I think there is, I think that is real. Um, and I've heard other people that I know that have gotten in earlier than me. Um, I'm kind of referred to that as it's just like, well, I'm going to go, I'm a software, I'm a software dev and I'm going to go earn, you know, another couple of hundred grand. And well, that's going to add like percent to my stack. Maybe I prefer, you know, hang out with my family or, you know, pick up a new hobby or be spending more time with my kids. I think like there's a universal thing that happens to like people that like it change that transform their wealth that basically like when you're poor, you're focused on money, 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 money. I need to get more money. I need to like, you know, improve my life circumstances, blah, blah, blah. And then as you start to, I think, achieve wealth, um, this is kind of something empirically I've noticed um, that like you start to focus more on time. And like you value time much more differently than you do just money. Um, I think that's like, I think all of those kind of weave into a nexus of, I think, sort of the thought experiment that you were hitting on, Alex, or at least that's kind of where like mm-hmm. my thoughts kind of come across it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting question to ask. Um, Dee, do you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that people want Bitcoin to sort of yield to their will. And I'm not saying that, that you're one of those people, but I see people get very frustrated with wanting to make Bitcoin do something with regard to its engineering or its price action of like, they want it to go up or they want it to go down. And this can be very, very difficult for some folks like take Elon Musk, for example. And I, I don't think that I uh, dislike Elon Musk as, as some of you, as much as some of you do, but he's going to be very frustrated with Bitcoin because as an engineer and as someone who's used to having a lot of power and influence over things, he has no power and he has no influence over Bitcoin. I mean, early in the early days, um, he could kind of tweet about it and move the price, but now he kind of can't because people are maybe not paying attention to what he has to say about Bitcoin or shitcoins. But this is going to really frustrate someone who's used to being able to do such things. Um, and we see it kind of break people. We see Bitcoin not do what someone wants it to do. And we see them kind of lose it. And then they become a shitcoiner because he can have a lot of influence over Dogecoin. He can have influence over the protocol design itself. And that's going to make him feel important because he has a massive ego. So, so yeah, that said, I think any time that we want Bitcoin to go up or down or uh, we 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 run the risk of losing our minds. We've just seen this happen to so many people. We've seen them break. And um, when you learn to yield to Bitcoin, uh, you become a lot happier, <laughs> needless to say. Yeah. 
Q, is there anything else you wanna you wanna run through? Uh, I was gonna maybe no, touch we're on coming up on that optimism hour. as okay. Please go ahead. Please. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, oh I was this just gonna close show, it with. Man. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So, I mean, the last thing I guess that I'll, I'll close with is um, the 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 most recent piece, the one that came out yesterday, is the irrational optimism. That's like a really quick three or four minute read, but it's. To do with, and, and I guess this is maybe the, the final takeaway message, is, um, is th- there's a book Matt, Matt Ridley wrote called The Rational Optimist. Um, and I think that was like, you know, whatever, five, ten years ago or maybe a bit longer. And, and he kind of talks about like, you know, hey, the world's actually getting better, um, even though there's all this doom and gloom and all this sort of shit. Now, I, I don't know if I agree with him because I actually think uh, The Matrix was right. The peak of civilization was the year 2000. Um, and since then, everything's burning to the ground. Um, but you know that's a that that's another that's another discussion. So, I, you know, it hit me while I was um, thinking about like what's you know happening from a price perspective and you know the FUD and all this sort of stuff. And I thought, you know what, Bitcoin is actually irrational optimist. It's like in the face of a world becoming increasingly moronic, retarded, stupid you name the fucking adjective that you want to describe the word with the world with um, Bitcoin kind of is this one bit of hope that exists and no amount of uh, FUD or Ponzi scheme blowups or um, ESG narratives or whatever else comes out, um, you know, bugs and cow farts and you name it. No amount of that crap is actually going to shake out someone who is um at this point i think when is we, we are crazy like we are you know we believe in something so outlandish that some software that we're all running um and trading you know numbers on a you know shared basically spreadsheet between each other um and you know running hashes from fucking uh electricity to secure the network like it's quite outlandish and we see so much in that um, in terms of how it's going to change the world, impact the world, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's a major underestimation in the general marketplace. And I mean, Bitcoiners have always been the contrarians. We're the contrarians in crypto, we're the contrarians in blockchain, we're the contrarians in government, we're the contrarians in economics, we're the contrarians even among fucking economists. We're the contrarians with libertarians. We're the contrarians in every single fucking group. Um, and I actually think to a degree that makes us um, irrational optimists. And, and that is a very difficult group of pe- people to, to fight. <laughs> like that's the worst enemy that anyone could possibly think of. And it reminds me of the whole uh, Taleb, um, Talebian idea of uh, the intolerant minority it's like some of the shit doesn't make sense but the intolerant minority ends up uh you know transforming it now we have reasons to be uh optimistic which i guess are rational but i don't know sometimes you know some of the things i do are completely like you know my mom she fucking calls me up she's like oh my god are you okay you know what happened do you need me to send you money i'm like uh Ma, if you want to send me money, I'm going to buy more Bitcoin. You're like, oh, you're stupid, you know? Like, um, so it's just, I don't know. It, 
I, I, I wouldn't want to be uh, in opposition to Bitcoiners and the way we think, the way we act, the way we behave uh, with respect to Bitcoin. Like that is, th- that's like if you think of playing chicken, you're going to fucking lose against Bitcoiners. There's no version of this game where the state plays chicken against Bitcoin where we fucking lose. Ain't going to happen. Like, they, they picked the wrong fucking fight. Like, the, I don't know if they've seen this movie before. So that's kind of the essence of why I wrote that last piece is to say that fuck around and find out. Like, come play chicken with us and see what happens. And, um, and, and you'll find that you kind of, like my, my, when I was in school, my best friend's dad said, you can pick a fight with me or chew bricks. Either way, you lose your teeth. Um, <laughs> this is kind of the same situation is that um, I don't think uh, I don't think anyone uh, I think everyone's underestimating the, the level of conviction that is um, that is kind of embedded within Bitcoin within Bitcoiners who are uh, bitten by the Bitcoin bug and kind of found out what it actually is so anyway that's kind of my closing thoughts I don't know if anyone else wants to add to that but yeah, irrationally optimistic. I love the optimism of Bitcoin. It's really exciting. It's really fun to be around because we're seeing these doomers of the millennial generation and the Gen Z's generation, and they are pessimistic and they're burnt out and they don't have a whole lot of hope for the future. And I, my gut reaction is that inflation, although they can't identify that, they can't articulate that, my my intuition is that inflation is a big part as to why they're so pessimistic and it's really really wonderful to spend time with with bitcoiners who are optimistic who have hope for the future who who aren't saying things like well they won't don't want to bring a child into this world because that child is going to have like a horrific future it's very uplifting and what's wonderful about bitcoin is that you can be optimistic about the future and you can have faith in Bitcoin, but you can have faith without having to suspend your disbelief. It's not like blind faith or trust. It's faith in something that you understand that everyone hasn't caught onto yet, but you're able to see. And so I like to kind of think about what was it like for folks who saw the value proposition of the internet or the web before everybody else did? What would it have been like to have seen Nikola Tesla popularize electricity? at a time where people thought it was going to kill you at a time where people probably wouldn't have ever believed you if you were telling them that there's this new way of lighting your home that doesn't require a candle. It's an electronic candle with no fire and no wax. They would just think you were completely insane. So I feel like we're the folks that are watching to popularize electricity. I feel like we're folks who are watching the wheel be discovered or the fire be discovered. And it's just taking some time for other folks to catch on. But that's funny, Spetsky, what you said about your mom. Uh, My mom actually saw one of your talks in Vegas. Um, I think it was unconfiscatable. She came to the conference with her partner. Oh, God. Poor thing. (laughs) Well, no, but now they won't shut up about it. My her partner is just like Spetsky this, Spetsky that zero to one this, zero to one that. <laughs> um, he's obsessed with the talk that you gave at um, Unconfiscatable, which unfortunately I 
didn't get to hear, but apparently it was really great according to them. Yeah, it was hilarious. I got everyone riled up. It was like a total meme talk. I think me and Giacomo were kind of like competing with who was going to be more fucking hilarious or whatever. I, I don't know who won, but I'm glad they liked it. <laughs> well, I think he took it very seriously. Um, I think he, everything you talked about, the 80-20 principle, zero to mm-hmm. one principle um he took all that very very seriously and and i mean after that conference they just kind of started stacking like crazy because this is their first cycle so i mean i didn't really orange pill them until more recently but they're in there well that makes me very happy yeah i mean like all the stuff like whenever i joke and shit like it's always serious um but yeah like i'm i'm glad fuck that that makes me happy that seriously does it reminds me why I fucking yell at clouds all the time. So some people. Seriously, thank you to both of you, because I think your words and actions have helped a lot of people who are listening to this conversation as well as myself. So thank you, truly. Q, one last question. This is the most important thing. How the fuck do I change the color of this stupid purple heart? I see people (laughs) with like, Actual normal colors. Hold, hold the heart down. Hold the heart down. Don't just press it willy nilly. Oh, really? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, I would have you if you would have let him see how long it would have taken him to figure <laughs> out, and then we could yeah. wager. It, it never Honestly. would have happened. This would have been a six-hour spaces, and still wouldn't have happened. So, Q, I want I want to make one last comment on the on the building and the bear market thing, and I'm going to give you a blue heart since you're a boy. Um, apparently, um, all joking aside. So I don't know that people build in the bear market any more or less, but I do think that what comes out of bear markets, um, those who can make it out of it um, are tested and ultimately are going to be proven. And so I do actually think it's harder to build in bear markets. It's harder, it's harder to get you know, um, people to, to, to take long shots, um, especially if you're raising money from Bitcoiners, um, um, whether, whether you like it or not. Uh, that two coins, you know, that, that would have been a hundred thousand dollar investment now is five coins, right? Like it's just real. On the other hand, if you can make it through a bear market, right? Like my first business was launched in December of 2008. Um, the reality of it is it was not a great time to be raising money. It wasn't a great time to be, um, to be launching a business. On the other hand, um, people are using their jobs, um, and a lot of talent online and you're, you're able to recruit a lot of talent. So like, while some people are running for the exits, um, rightfully so, um, and you're willing to go and dig in and take some long risks and ultimately outwork competition, um, then, and you can make it out of it, the, li- the likelihood is you're probably going to be a really, really solid company. It's really disciplined. It's able to execute. And so I don't know that like things are built in the bear market necessarily any more or less than bull markets, but things that what I think happens are people are built during bear markets. And I think that ultimately is why there are a lot of successful things that have come out of bear markets. And so, yeah, um, especially if you're like a young entrepreneur, especially if you're like a dev, especially if you're looking at like different things that the change, like to me, like building on Bitcoin, building for Bitcoin is an absolutely long move to make in my mind. Let me give you another blue heart. Let me see if I can figure this out. There you go. There you go. Sveti. That blue one was for you, buddy. I don't want you to think it was weird. John, did you... (laughs) Did you just kind of coin that phrase just now? It's not that people are building in the bear market. It's that people are built. Did you just yeah, yeah, that one just came to mind right now. <laughs> I mean, the idea didn't necessarily come brand new, but 
Um, yeah, that little phrasing I said. You, you can take it. That's all yours. That was kind of low key, really epic. <laughs> let, let me find a, a, an orange heart for you. There you are. Orange heart for you, default. This has been uh, a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed, you know, hearing everyone's perspective who knows a hell of a lot more about anything going on in, in this world than I do. So I thank for your time and, and your perspective uh, and everyone who's joined us here in the spaces. I do want to remind everyone that tickets for Bitcoin 2023 are on sale right now. Prices will go up next Friday. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets. Um Guys, ladies, th- ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming. Uh, Svetsky, I'll give you the final word because this all started because of you. Thank you, bro. Well, I mean, final words, be irrationally optimistic. And everything that's worth having in life is going to require that you earn it and that you, I don't know, you, you stick through the periods when you're going to be laughed at, when you're going to be told you're an idiot, and when even you are going to kind of doubt yourself. So I, I know as much as we, you know, on stage have been talking about like, you know, oh, we don't feel the prices up and down. I know people listening have felt that. And, you know, speaking to you, it's like, you know, you, you probably are arrogant or lying. Um, but I promise you, if you continue spending the time, whether it's on these spaces, reading the articles, um, going to some of the deeper stuff as well. There's a lot of really, really good written content um, to kind of get you in the right mind frame from a, you know, why Bitcoin is important standpoint. Um, and, you know, what you'll find is that this rabbit hole is never ending and, and you'll, you'll come to the point where you're like, this makes sense across every possible dimension that I can think of. And maybe they are not so crazy and maybe I'm not so crazy and maybe I am onto something here well before a large proportion of the rest of the world isn't. Um, and one, once that kind of switch actually flips, um, I promise you, you know, your life is going to change significantly. So yeah, I, I wish everyone the best. And this is, this is a journey that I'm, I'm glad to be on with, with some incredible people. So thank you for having me on Q. And everyone else, D++, John, everyone.